meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859-292-7342. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for all things real estate, well, at least investing-wise. And welcome to our program, all those folks who are listening live via WMKVFM.org. If you're listening to the podcast and you're wondering how to listen live, well, if you're greater in the greater Cincinnati area, by golly, you should uh, turn your radio on to WMKV on Wednesdays at 5 o'clock. If you're not here in the greater Cincinnati area, uh, you certainly can uh, listen live online through the streaming audio at wmkvfm.org. Also, while you're there, go about halfway down that homepage and check out the 2010 Ohio RIA Conference. If you listen to this show religiously and you just wish there was more than an hour and you like all these great guests we've had over the past few months, you can see them all live in four days on November 11th through 14th in Dayton, Ohio. And, uh, you can order your seat just by going to wmkvfm.org and clicking that link, and uh, you can sign up right through their very easy-to-use website, and you'll be making a donation to WMKV to keep public radio and real-life real estate investing on the air. So there's no downside whatsoever, as far as I can see, and... A new announcement from OREA is that uh, they're going to, they're putting in place an implementation program for the convention. If you attend for seven weeks afterwards, you'll get online classes both from the speakers who will be there to answer your questions about what has been going on since you went out and put all their great tips into real life. And also there will be Monday night classes about how to create business plans and Oh, golly, build your team and manage your time and all kinds of good stuff. So that's just another benefit to going to WMKVFM.org, signing up for the 2010 OREA convention, and, of course, attending on November the 11th through 14th. Speaking of the OREA convention, one of our featured keynote speakers, and I must say an OREA convention favorite, is Mr. Lee Phillips. Lee is an attorney who splits his time between Florida and Utah. He's got a very impressive legal resume, starting with graduating from law school at Brigham Young University and moving forward through many years and ending up being one of the top and most in-demand educators in the country on the topic of using entities to protect your assets and save taxes. Joining us now is Lee Phillips. Lee, welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Thank you for having me, Vina. I'm glad to have you back here. I think over the course of the 12 or so years Real Life Real Estate has been on the air, you've probably been a guest about 13 times because you're sort of our go-to guy when the que- the legal questions build up at uh, askvina.com or you know through our, our various um, 
contact methods like realliferealestateradio.com because you know folks have really good questions about how they should be protecting their assets and saving on taxes and i just can't answer them because i'm not that kind of expert but you are so we most definitely want to invite people to uh, send us emails about anything they'd like to know about asset protection or tax savings right now because once we're off the air, we're back to just me being able to answer them. You can go to askvina.com to do that. You can go to realliferealestateradio.com to do that. Or, of course, uh, you can call us. And you'd think by this time I would have that phone number completely memorized, but I usually have a cheat sheet right in front of me. Ah, here it is. 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 for your questions. Um, Now, Lee, there is a lot going on right now in the bigger world that is going to affect us as real estate investors and small business people. And one of the scariest ones is it looks like we're all getting a big tax hike at the end of the year. What is your feel for, uh, is that, is that going to be a one-time thing? Are we going to keep seeing it and keep seeing it, keep seeing it? What you're, you're, you're plugged in to what the thinking is about um, taxes in the world, what is your prediction for the next one to five years? Well, a prediction is worth exactly what you're paying for it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the b- bottom line is nobody knows what's going on. The professionals don't know. The economists don't know. Nobody knows. We've never been in this situation before. We're just wandering blindly through the forest. Uh, I can tell you that, uh, and believe this or not, we are basically at historic tax low right now. That doesn't feel very good, but we are basically at historic tax low. There's been two periods in our country uh, where the taxes have, have been quite low. Uh, just, just to trace the tax history for two seconds for you, Vina. Um, Section 16 implemented in 1913. Tax came in 8.5%. It immediately hiked up uh, 75%, 80% within a year or two. Mm-hmm. Dropped back down in the 20s and cruised along about 25%. Do you remember what they called the 20s, Vina? It was the roaring mm, 20s. Yes. 20s. The economy went nuts. And then back, uh, we had, a, I mean, it just went shoo, right straight up to the roof, over 90%. And uh, that was Herbert Hoover, and they called it the Great Depression. And taxes went from 25 to big time. And in my opinion, that's one of the major causes of the Great Depression. In the 50s and 60s, if you made a million bucks, uh, tax rate was 92%. Uh, So, I mean... People were dying, and they they figured out how to get around the taxes. Back in the 60s and 70s, there were all kinds of tax shelters and this and that and the other. Most of them were illegal, but most people did them anyway because, I mean, you don't have much to lose. Then uh, Ronald Reagan did some funny economics, voodoo economics, or uh, what did they call Reagan Reaganomics, uh, you know. Um, funny thing is, the tax rate came way down down to like 30 percentish mm-hmm. and um, what happened to the economy in the 90s that was good stuff as i remember I, mean, I, I, I was in elementary school then but but yeah as i recall it was um... 1990s good good stuff <laughs> and you'd think the politicians would be able to look at that and say the two periods where the economy has gone nuts in the united states was when the tax rate was extremely low uh, Clinton hiked it back up a little. Bushy kind of kept it uh, level, and uh, we're still down there in the bottom of the tax realms. So if you're a betting man and you look at the chart and we're at historic tax low almost, are taxes going to go up or down, Vina? Oh, they, they pretty much have to go up from here. <laughs> They're going up. So that means you should think in your real estate investing, taxes are going up. Maybe I don't want to do a 1031 this week. Maybe I want to take the money off the table and pay the capital gains tax. 15% capital gains tax is a gift, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, 
you ain't going to see that one again. So it kind of colors historically, if we look at it, uh, we can pretty safely predict taxes are going to go up one point or the other. And um, so it, it colors what we do and it should color what we do and, and how we plan for the future and the things that we do today. Uh, and when we come back from the break, we're going to discuss some specific strategies about what one might do to keep one's, uh, let's say, contribution to the general fund at a bare minimum. We're also going to take your calls at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658, or you can send us an email via askvina at gmail.com. Support comes from the Cincinnati Ballet, bringing the beauty, power, and passion of dance to Music Hall for the Sleeping Beauty, October 22nd through the 24th. Experience the story of true love and deep magic, where a prince's kiss breaks a century-long enchantment. Hear Tchaikovsky's most beloved ballet score, played by the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra. Tickets at the Cincinnati Ballet Office at 513-621-5282 or online at cballet.org. Check it on traffic. No accident. I actually want to take that back. One accident. Winton at Compton, which uh, might be uh, someone slowing down to look at that McDonald's that uh, caught fire early this morning. Uh, also, we have a disabled vehicle uh, in a tough spot. Southbound 75, right at the front of the Brent Spence Bridge in the left lane. So traffic uh, heading southbound, which is normally heavy there anyway, is heavier than usual. Forecast tonight, cloudy skies, a 60% chance you can get some rain tonight, a low of 45 degrees. Sunny tomorrow, a high temperature of 65, and then on Friday, sunny, a high of 68. Uh, Saturday, we should see temperatures climbing up at least near to 70, uh, pretty much the same for Sunday. Right now, though, we are right around 72 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Support comes from the Omnimax at the Cincinnati Museum Center where you can experience the film Mysteries of the Great Lakes. It takes a drop of water nearly 400 years to travel from the headwaters of Lake Superior to the edge of Lake Ontario. At the Omnimax, you can see some of the most spectacular scenery in the world and uncover the Mysteries of the Great Lakes. This Omnimax film now runs through November at the Cincinnati Museum Center. More information available at cincymuseum.org. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing here on WMKV. And uh, we're talking today to Lee Phillips, who is an attorney. Don't change the dial. He's one of the good attorneys. As a matter of fact, he's one of my favorite attorneys in the whole world. Now, that's a short list, I have to say. But uh, he's a good guy, and he knows a lot about asset protection and about using entities for tax savings. Now, Lee, a big focus of what you teach people is the idea that basically rich people don't pay taxes. Um, <laughs> despite all this we're hearing about, oh, we're going to you know, tax the people in the highest tax brackets and so on. They use legal methods generally involving entities to divert the tax money away from the government and back to their families or their retirement plans or their whatever. I think the first question on everyone's mind is going to be, if if rich people are using it, does that mean I shouldn't or that I can't? Well, there are basically two sets of laws in the United States, one set that rich people use and one set that everybody else uses. And if you want to be rich, you've got to learn how to use the rich set of laws. Both sets are perfectly legal, absolutely nothing wrong with it. Uh, John Edwards, I think it was, got in a little trouble for for, uh, having done some of these legal things. But uh, politically, it maybe wasn't the best thing for him to do. But I don't really care about politics. I'm interested in uh, saving my wallet some money. And... So you're going to have to, uh, if that's your interest, you're going to have to learn how to use these laws that rich people use, and, and they do involve entities. If, if you're just going to work and cranking the crank and getting your W-2, there's not a lot you can do to save taxes. If you have a small business, and, and I don't care what your small business is, sell, uh, 
sell hot dogs at the uh, at the ballpark on the weekends. Do do something. Then there are lots of things that you can do in order to control taxes that just plain aren't available to you as an individual. The tax laws that control corporations and LLCs and limited partnerships and these these entities are uh, very different than the tax laws that control you as a W-2 employee, as an individual. The name of the game these days is to uh, lower your AGI. Mm-hmm. AGI is? Adjusted gross income. Adjusted gross income. I passed. And you you passed. You win. <laughs> You've heard uh, the politicians talk about uh, killing you if you... Uh, have over a $250,000 AGI for a married couple or $200,000 AGI for a single, they're going to nail you to the wall because you're the rich people. Well, I'm sorry. If you've got a half reasonable little business, hopefully in a good year you make over $250,000 a year because I know this year I'm going to be subsidizing my business. And people are going through that. And that's the way they have to think when you're in a little business. One year I feast, one year I famine. Mm -hmm. And if the IRS, the government, is going to take it away from me in my feasting years, I ain't going to make it in my famine years. So you have to begin to think, okay, what can I do to store money? Uh, Tax. Lower, Lower that AGI. Get me down into a lower tax bracket. There are lots of things that you can do, but you do have to have these entities. And I'm going to go through the entities for you in detail at the at the OREA meeting. For example, uh, you can set up a benefit plan out of one of these entities. Um, any money that you contribute to the benefit plan, the HSA, the HRA, Health Reimbursement Agreement, whatever it is, you put that money into that plan, you then spend it for your health-related expenses. But when you move money into the plan from your little company, that's fully deductible. And so effectively, that is money that would have filtered down through your little company, ended up on your bottom line that you would have paid tax on. We've taken it out at the top, used it for health-related expenses, used it for some purpose, and we've lowered the AGI by doing that. Um, So these types of things become really important, Vina. And in fact, this this is a a sort of related question uh, that we just got here via email from JC in Las Vegas. Uh, Apparently... There is a 2010 Roth IRA conversion rule that is uh, could be favorable to folks who are uh, looking to turn their traditional IRA into a Roth IRA. That is correct. Can you can you explain that because we're getting to the end of 2010 and JC would like to know what exactly all this means. If you want to convert your regular IRA into a Roth IRA, uh, prior to this you had to have under a hundred thousand adjusted gross income AGI. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, or you couldn't do it. If you were rich, you couldn't do it. But Congress, in its great wisdom, has said no. This year, anybody can do the Roth conversion. Don't have to worry about whether you have over 100,000 AGI or not. You do have to pay the tax when you make the conversion. Remember, on your regular IRA, you got a tax deduction for putting the money in. And uh, when you do the Roth, you put in an after-tax dollar. But then when you spend the dollar out the end, you don't have to pay the tax on it. Mm-hmm. Which, is so, a, which is a really nice thing for people who know how to grow their IRAs very quickly by doing things like, oh, I don't know, flipping properties in them, buying notes in them. Real estate is a good thing to do with an IRA, no question about it. But let's get back to the legal tax aspects. You can make the conversion today. You do pay the tax. Whether or not it's worth paying the tax is dependent upon what 
interest rate you're going to get, how you're going to grow this IRA, and how old you are. Do you have enough time to make up the difference of the tax, the money that you lost? And by the way, do not pay the tax out of the IRA if you can afford it. Uh, but uh, uh, in, in a general life sense, never take money out of the IRA, pay a tax or pay, pay something that you owe. So you roll it, you get the Roth IRA. Now, here's something that we talked about before the last break. If I know taxes are going to go up, is it better to pay the tax today and then not have to pay tax when I get the money out of my Roth IRA? Might be. In fact, you can spread this tax over a couple of years. Maybe it's better to pay all of the tax today and not have to worry about paying it next year if there's going to be a tax increase. Mm-hmm. So these are things you worry about. But yes, you can do that now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one of the things you're telling us that that, that rich people do to, um, <laughs> it's just so funny to me to say somebody making $250,000 a year is rich. Yeah, you're still flipping <laughs> coupons at 250000 a year these days, all, although you're, you're comfortable. I mean, yeah, there are well, a lot that... of people listening that would love to make 250000 a year, and, and I understand that. For somebody who isn't making 250000 a year, uh, if they know how to operate their little company, if they can implement some of these things, we can still save them ten, fifteen thousand 15000 a year, 5000 a year. I mean, 5000 a year is a big deal to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes, and and uh, it, it depends on, you know, is the year 2007 when hardly anybody I knew in real estate was was right side up <laughs> that year, you know, and uh, yeah, you know, there's a, when, you're, when you're running a small business, a, a lot of that money ends up being socked away because you know you're going to need it for the business. It's not, you know, you're not at $250,000 a year, you're not driving a Ferrari. And, and by the way, real estate is your small business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may not be filing as a corporation or an LLC or whatever it is, but you're filing a Schedule E. And we can do things with a Schedule E to lower the adjusted gross income. Uh, so these are neat things to do, and if you learn how to use uh, th- these laws, then you can make, basically, you can make a lot more money. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. So we're talking to Lee Phillips, Esquire, about ways to save on taxes and also protect your assets. And we do actually have an asset protection question here that I want to get to in a moment. But, uh, you know, you folks all the time on Question and Answer Week are calling me up and saying, can you answer this incredibly complex legal question that you have no reason to know the answer to because uh, you're not an attorney? And today we've got not an attorney, we've got the attorney on the phone. This guy has studied this stuff like uh, like you and I study how to be good landlords, and today is a good, good day. So you're saying I'm a boring person is what you're saying. I never said that out loud. That was that was you that said that out loud. The, the fact that you read the tax code for fun is not, um, you know, doesn't make you boring at all. Um, so we're going to, once again, invite you to Give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or send us an email by going to askvina.com or just sending it to askvina at gmail.com. If you choose to go to askvina.com, you can also check a little box there that will get you weekly updates on real-life real estate investing, including articles by and about our guests and information about what's going on in the bigger real estate world. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. Support comes from St. Vincent de Paul. In today's difficult economy, local families who have never had to ask for help are now in desperate need of food, clothing, and shelter. St. Vincent de Paul's vehicle donation program is a way for you to help. By donating your unneeded car, truck, or motorcycle, you can ensure that a needy family gets help with the basics to survive and may qualify for a tax deduction. For a free pickup, St. Vincent de Paul, 513-421-CARE. That's 513-421-CARE. Checking on traffic right now. No accidents. And that one disabled, that was southbound 75 at the Brent Spence Bridge. That's been moved out of the way, too. So all we have now are backups, and they're in the usual spots, including 71 southbound at Pfeiffer, 71 northbound at the Lateral, and again uh, up by Montgomery. 75 southbound slows up around the Brent Spence Bridge and into the cut in the hill. 
Uh, northbound 75 slows around Mitchell through Paddock, and you're on the brakes again at Glendale Milford. Weather forecast tonight, cloudy skies and a 60% chance of some showers and thunderstorms this evening. Tonight's low 45 degrees. For tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high of 65. And then on Friday, mostly sunny, a high of 68. Saturday, high around 70. And Sunday, a high of 72. So every day we go up a little bit. But uh, looks like the next chance of rain after tonight is uh, sometime around Tuesday. Uh, right now we are at uh, 80 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Support comes from Hospice of the Bluegrass, Northern Kentucky, providing quality end-of-life care to residents of Northern Kentucky in their homes or in long-term care facilities. Hospice of the Bluegrass is the largest provider of hospice and palliative care to Kentucky residents. Hospice is all they do, so no matter how complex the case, their care teams are prepared to assist during the most difficult of times. More information at hospicebg.org. Hospice of the Bluegrass, Northern Kentucky's most complete hospice. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Lee Phillips, and we're talking asset protection and tax savings, and we're also taking your questions at 772-9658 or at 877-772-9658. Those questions could be about anything from... LLCs to family limited partnerships, S-Corps, C-Corps, uh, you're going to get different reactions from Lee depending on which one of those you ask him about, but uh, I can guarantee you'll get an honest opinion. And uh, we're going to go ahead and go to the phones and talk to Cody, who's calling on line one. No, he's not. I'm here in a big old... You lost him, lost him, I know. And he just called, too. So, Cody, if you're listening, give us a call back, and we'll be happy to take your question uh we have one here from uh it looks like lee actually in uh, in tucson uh he or she i guess i don't know which one it is says please ask lee about the implications of the recent florida charging order case regarding single versus multi-member llcs are you familiar with that case lee i am uh the case is Oh, starts with an O. Um, I'll think of it in two seconds. At any rate, uh, what has happened is is uh, Florida Supreme Court has taken a case. It was an ugly case. Uh, the guy who uh, they were going up against, Olmstead, is the the name. Um, the FTC was actually going after him, and he had done some massive fraud and then put all of the money from this fraud into a couple of LLCs that he owned. He was the single member, the only owner. And the FTC asked the court to let them come and get these assets in the LLC directly. Now, a lot of people don't understand or know what a charging order is. There are two sides to asset protection, and your advisors only talk to you about one side, the corporate shield. What happens if the business, LLC, corporation, S-corp, doesn't matter, if the business gets in trouble, gets a lawsuit against it? Can they come and get your personal assets? And the corporate shield, if everything's done right, the corporate shield protects you and your personal assets from the business problems. Hmm. Here's another question your advisors never talk to you about. What happens if you get in trouble? Can they come and get the company? Uh, how are you going to get in trouble? Well, you're going to get divorced. Uh, you're going to go bankrupt. You've got a couple of bad properties that are going to go upside down. You're going to get a big deficiency judgment against you. Um, kid jumps on the trampoline in the backyard, breaks his neck. None, none of those are business problems. Those are personal problems. Can they come and get your company? And this charging order concept protects the company from your personal problems. So we're down in Florida. The FTC wants to come and get the assets in the LLC. Now, a corporation doesn't have charging order protection. LLC does. And the court made an analysis, and they said, well, our statute says that the charging order is not 
the sole uh, remedy, it's a remedy. So if it's a remedy, then that means there must be other remedies. And so the other remedy is, is we're going to let the FTC come and get the assets in the company, even though it's an LLC. So they set aside the charging order for single-member LLCs. And so in Florida, Olmstead said, eh, we're going to let the, uh, the single-member LLC charging order protection go by the wayside. You have another case, Albright, up in Colorado, uh, about 10 years old now, and it was a bankruptcy case, and the judge said, this guy has this, all these assets in this LLC, this company. Now, normally we would have to get a charging order. By the way, a charging order means that the creditor, the FTC, the bankruptcy court, can only get a lien against the assets of the company. They can't come and get them. They can't foreclose on them, uh, sell them. They can't vote the stock in the in the LLC. LLCs don't have stock; they have membership interests. But you understand what I'm saying. They can't manage. They can't get to the assets. They only can put a lien against the assets. Mm-hmm. Actually, the member's economic interest in the LLC is the way it's worded. So um, the guy in the judge in Colorado let them come and get the assets of the LLC. Nobody's followed that case for ten years, and the Olmstead case in uh, in Florida is the first one that that's really set it aside. So what it means is in Florida you'd better have two members of your LLC, and if you have two members, then the court is going to respect this charging order issue because we don't want to harm the interests of the other member. It comes from the old uh, British law to protect partners. If, if one partner got in trouble personally, in a partnership, any partner can bind, sell, do whatever they want with the partnership assets. So if I got your partnership asset, your partnership interest, I could walk in, sell the company, do whatever I wanted to with it, and the other two guys that worked 20 years with me, they lose everything. Mm-hmm. They said, that's not fair. So they said, okay, we won't let them do that. We'll make them get this charging order. We're going to charge the interest of the member or the partner with the uh, with the debt, not the LLC or the partnership directly. Mm-hmm. That help? Uh, I, I'm sure it does. Uh, we've got Cody back on the line. No, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> Cody, try again. Is, I, he's probably like at work, and his boss keeps catching him. It's calling my uh, life real estate, and any rate, so Co- Cody, take, a, take a message. Yeah, Cody, it may be it may be you know a good thing to get fired if you've been thinking about real estate. So you know, but so. The, this charging order concept, the corporate shield concept, these are things that that you can't get as an individual. So you have to know how to use these laws associated with these entities. Mm-hmm. In addition to the taxes, it also gives you asset protection. You can divide up property and protect it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and 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 going back to the 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 charging order case, I know that that has sent like, huge shockwaves through the real estate world because a lot of people have single member LLCs, and that begs the question of if I'm. If... I, want, I want to make two points, Vina. Mm-hmm. One, this only applies to Florida. Uh, point A under that is it may be the handwriting on the wall. Two is the corporate shield has nothing to do with the corporate shield. If the company still gets in trouble, then your personal assets are still protected. Mm-hmm. This has to do, if you get in trouble, is the company protected? Mm-hmm. 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 And the company's one of your major assets. So, yeah, I want to protect it from my lawsuit on the trampoline in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, only, it, only, it only affects that issue. Uh huh. And and actually, the the next question I was going to ask, uh, I just got an email from Sheila, who's in Tampa, I guess, down sort of in your oh, neck Tampa. of the woods I'm down there, in Sarasota. Yeah. Sheila. Yeah. Sheila says, "So what do I do about this? I have three single member LLCs. Do I give part of the interest to one of my relatives?" You can give it to them. Uh, you probably 
ought to structure it a little differently and make them buy in somehow. Uh, you can give it to a relative. You can give it to a partner. The question is, how much do you have to give? And the answer is, we don't know. Um, 1% may be enough. Uh, if you want to be really safe, go to 5%, because the IRS says that if you have a 5% interest in a little closely held company, you have a significant investment. So the courts are going to be much more likely to protect a significant investor than they are a one percenter. But right now we don't know that there would be any difference between a one percent owner and a, and a five percent owner. Apparently you're going out to lots of different states, Fina. Oh, yes. Uh, if you are in a community property state, and if you are, you know who you are, uh, then husband and wife can't... Uh, can't split up the membership interests because your state looks at you as one legal entity. If you're in Florida, it could be husband and wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or in Ohio, you know. And of course, that also, uh, you know, just uh, rather than panic Sheila and start <laughs> randomly giving away five percent interests in, <laughs> um, if they're really valuable LLCs, I'm 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 up for it. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, Lee is volunteering to take that five percent interest, uh, but we also have to we also have to think about that. Uh, you know, when you give someone five percent interest, you've got to think about uh, how the goodies are going to get distributed from the LLC, because uh, I know the operating agreement largely uh, controls that. And if you have the operating, an operating agreement, will control that. It is not just a piece of paper that you got from the lawyer, and unfortunately, the lawyers and the legal. Beagle sites on the internet, they all spit out the lowest common denominator document, and that ain't going to cut it for you guys. Uh, you've got to have basically a boutique LLC and operating agreement and all the paperwork in order to get the tax benefits, the, uh, the charging order protection and stuff that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you could you could if you don't if you don't Sheila look at your operating agreement and make a change to it. Um, in theory, you can amend it. Yep, in theory, your whoever you give away, quote as Horace Lee says, let let them buy in. Uh, your five percent interest is going to be do five percent of the stuff. So if uh, I, I, I I've heard stories, Lee, and I don't know how correct these are that operating agreements can split the stuff up unequally. Even yes, though the... they, they can, they can, uh, absolutely. Uh, I can do lots of things in the operating agreement. It's a document that I get to write. It's my company. And it's basically it, the bylaws or the laws that are going to control my company. And the funny thing is, our, our court system, our, our society says, if I'm willing to write that, they'll honor almost anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you're if you're if you're making your 24-year-old daughter who's in basically a zero tax bracket because she's a student your partner, maybe you would want to keep the tax benefits from your real estate LLC, that sort of thing. You can do or or one of the techniques that we're going to talk about in Aurea is you can shift income to that 24-year-old student. You could move all of the profit to them. Mm-hmm. And fund their education because they're in a lower tax bracket. You take on another twenty thousand, you're going to have to pay forty percent of that out in Fed state taxes. She's only going to have to pay eighteen percent out in Fed state taxes. Mm-hmm. So you know, another way we can make more money. <laughs> All sorts of, of of great ways when you sort of get get down into the nitty gritty of this and. When we come back, we've got another division of benefits and income question for you, Lee. And we're also going to take calls at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can ask questions via email at askvina at gmail.com. 
Be sure to mark your calendars. The next WMKV Big Band Dance is coming up on Sunday, October 24th. It runs from 2 till 5 p.m. at Maple Knoll Village Auditorium, located on Springfield Pike in Springdale. We hope you'll plan to come on out, dance, and enjoy the great dance music provided by the Maple Knoll Big Band and the wonderful dance floor at Maple Knoll Village Auditorium. It's open to the public, and dance instruction starts at 1 p.m. with Jim Dennis. Snacks and drinks are also served. Dances are held on the 2nd, 4th, and 5th Sunday each month. And stay tuned to WMKV at 89.3 FM for any schedule updates or special events. It's a great time. Volunteers are also needed for the dances. The next big band dance coming up on Sunday, October 24th. Ticket information or more details on the next WMKV big band dance are always available at 513-782-2427 or online at WMKVFM.org. No accidents, no disabled cars. We have some backups in the usual spots, including 275 eastbound, backing up now between 75 and 71. Forecast tonight, cloudy skies, some showers possible, 60% chance. Tonight's low around 45 degrees. Tomorrow sunny, a high of 65, pretty much the same for Friday. And we could warm up to about 70 or so on uh, Saturday and Sunday. But right now we are at 78 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking today to Mr. Lee Phillips, an attorney and uh, one of the featured speakers at the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association Conference coming up in November in Dayton. More information on that at wmkv.fm. FM, never forget the FM.org. And speaking of which, if you'd just like to go to that site and just you know, make a tax-deductible contribution to just say, hey, WMKV, thanks so much for keeping that weird little show, Real Life Real Estate Investing, on the air. You can do that anytime. We want to thank Greg for doing that last week. Like, no fun drive or anything. He just goes online, he donates $100, and his message says, Real Life Real Estate Rocks. And I got to tell you, Greg, you made my day. <laughs> you really, really did. So if you're listening and... uh you got some money ready to give away to public radio. That's WMKVFM.org. You don't have to come to the OREA conference to give them money. That's all I'm saying. Uh, one other quick announcement before we get back to Lee here. If you'd like to become a fan of Real Life Real Estate Investing, you can do that by going to realliferealestateradio.com. When you go there, you will be joining more than 4,500 fans and... 1,940 group members. Now, I don't actually know what the difference between those two things is, but it's a big number, so I'm happy. And uh, when you go there, you'll also get reminders about the upcoming program. The folks who are subscribed to our weekly email at askvina.com got a great article today from Lee about saving taxes like rich people save taxes. So you might want to do that as well. Now, Lee, I'm not I'm not sure how closely related this question I just got is to the the question that we just answered because I'm not re- like a lot of people. I'm not real clear in my mind about the diff the, the the tax differences between an LLC and an S corporation. But uh, this message came via email from Mike, who didn't tell us where he's from. You always want to tell us where you're from, folks. Uh, can I legally somehow divide the benefits and income from an S corporation in a manner different than the percentages of ownership? And if not, how can I otherwise accomplish the same result? Uh, technically, in an S corporation, the dividends, they're not called dividends, they're called distributions, but the dividends uh, need to be divided up pro rata based upon ownership. And uh, and so uh, you're, if Johnny owns 5% or 15%, he is going to get 15% of the tax hit. Um, hopefully you'll give him 15% of the profit so he can pay his taxes. <laughs> but, uh, but he's going to be, he's going to get his K-1 and he's going to have to recognize his 15% of the profit. Mm-hmm. So in a S-Corp, you're basically stuck. Um, dividing it pro rata. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, to a s- large degree, you are in an LLC also. Uh, 
if you're taxing as an LL, in an LLC as an S-Corp, you set up your LLC, you get to choose how you're going to be taxed. If you've chosen to tax it as an S-Corp, you've got to play the S-Corp game just as if you had an S-Corp. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lee, I, 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 gosh, I, I wish we actually had like the two hours you're going to have at Oria to <laughs> to go through all of this stuff. In yeah, a we're lo- just bouncing along the surface here. <laughs> I know, I know, we really are. But at least, at least we're getting p- people's questions answered, and that's the important thing. But um, uh, what I what I see a lot amongst real estate investors is that they use S corporations rightly or wrongly for flipping type businesses that are, are going to generate a lot of cash and not a lot of tax benefits in the way of depreciation. And that many times when there's an uh, uh, an uneven ownership, if the agreement is one person is going to do the work and therefore get more, it's done by paying that person a salary out of the S corporation. So that is correct. It, it makes a hundred grand. That doesn't mean we get fifty apiece. That means the guy who did the work gets a twenty thousand dollars salary, and then we well, split the, what's it, left. It's only the dividend or the distribution that's divided up pro rata. I mean, if you're paying out salaries and stuff, you can pay them out in any proportion you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it, there, there's also sort of an obsession amongst uh, probably all small business people, but of course the ones I mostly talk to are real estate entrepreneurs about taking as much as possible out of their companies as distributions to avoid the self-employment taxes. But there's there's a really good reason to, to take a salary, and that is without it, there are certain kinds of retirement plans that you can't have. Well, you, you need a salary for the retirement plans. You need a salary for the Social Security uh, believe it or not, you want Social Security benefits, even though they might not be worth much by the time you get there, but you want them. Um, so, yeah, you take a salary, and the other reason is, is the law says that you have to take a reasonable salary before you pay yourself a dividend. And by the way, Congress, a couple of months ago, tried to make it so that all dividends from S-corporations would be taxed at 15%, basically making it so that you did not avoid the uh, the social taxes, the the uh, unemployment, uh, the you know, yeah, social taxes, mm-hmm. FICA feud, all that garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, so Congress tried to take that away from us. Uh, it was blocked, uh, but uh, but it, 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 they're they're trying under the current administration to get that out of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and Lee, we just received another email from the AskMina.com response form. This is from Tammy in Canton. She says, I'm a brand new investor. I intend to invest in rental properties. When I went to my attorney, he recommended something called a family limited partnership that I have never heard talked about. What is this and should I do it? Family limited partnership is fine. Uh, if your partners are going to be your family members, it's just like any other limited partnership, except you make the family members the limited partner. And it works well. It uh, doesn't have many advantages, if any, over the LLC. Uh, the major disadvantage is, is that there will have to be a general partner. And that general partner is personally liable for all the debts and problems of the LLC, or excuse me, of the family limited partnership uh, so somebody's liable in an LLC nobody's liable the attorney's going to say well create an LLC or a corporation and make that the general partner well what he just did is he just got two fees one for setting up the family <laughs> limited partnership and one for setting up the corporation or the LLC just use the LLC but there's nothing wrong with a family limited partnership except the major disadvantage of, of having the general partner be, uh, be personally liable. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a little asterisk here, and that is in your real estate investing, anytime you get a mortgage, borrow money, they're going to make you sign personally anyway, folks. You're stuck. So the only thing that it would do is save the general partner from the slip and fall or the lawsuit or, or that sort of thing. But use an LLC, and then there is no general partner. Everybody's protected. Mm-hmm. Good question. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, now, here's a question that, Lee, I'm, I'm not sure if it sort of falls outside your area of expertise. This one is from Scott in Georgia. And Scott's issue is that he is going to have Anything to... Anything in Georgia is outside my area of expertise. <laughs> Scott's issue is that he is going to have to declare personal bankruptcy, and he's wondering if he can protect the real, estates, the real estate that he is holding in his LLCs from his personal bankruptcy. In theory, yes, because of this charging order not fully protected in that the bankruptcy court would get a lien against your economic interest in the LLC, but they can't come in and manage it and sell the property and that sort of stuff. Now, this is where the issue of, is it a single-member LLC is going to come in? And uh, my son-in-law is actually a brilliant litigator, and he just kind of scoffs at this and says, look, if uh, you're trying to screw the bankruptcy court or if you're trying to screw your creditor, um, can we use that word on there? <laughs> it's uh, too late. <laughs> then, uh, then as a litigator, I'm going to talk the judge into some way of getting at you. There's what's called law and there's what's called equity. There's the law and then there's what's fair. And the judge will often bend the law to get to the equity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in theory, yes, you can protect property from bankruptcy in an LLC. Mm-hmm. Okay. And here, here is a question from Neely, who is also from Georgia. She is from the Savannah area, apparently. She says, because of some advice that I got from an attorney at the beginning of my career, I set up separate LLCs for every property I own. This is getting to be a bit of a burden. Is it really <laughs> necessary? What? <laughs> Yep, I had uh, two lady doctors in uh, California that had 53 properties, and the attorney had gotten a hold of them. Uh, big nationally known attorney, speaker guy. And he had uh, charged him $5,000 for each one of the 53 partnerships. Family limited partnerships that he'd set up. He was using a family limited partnership. And then, because California is so expensive, he volunteered to set them up in his state. He would act as the registered agent. For only $1,500 a year oh per limited partnership. These poor ladies called me up and said, Phillips, we don't have to worry about asset protection anymore. Our attorney's got our money. <laughs> you have to be reasonable. You can't manage effectively more than two or three LLCs or limited partnerships or corporations. Put the properties in Georgia in one and the properties in Florida in another. Put the commercial in one and the residential in the other. Put the uh, Section 8s in one and the high ends in another. Do it logically, but you can't you can't afford more than two or three of these babies physically, emotionally, uh, or pocket-wise, yeah, or just, money-wise. Just, just the printing of the checks. The lawyer's or... <laughs> doing you a good job. Well, actually, he's doing himself a good job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, Lee, well, we are unfortunately out of time, but we very much look forward to seeing you at the OREA conference coming up in Dayton in just a few weeks. And I want to encourage the folks. I got my airline ticket. Yay. So, yay, you'll actually be there. We <laughs> encourage the folks who are listening to go ahead and get signed up for that through WMKVFM.org. It's not only a great event for your real estate career, it's also a great thing to be giving money to public radio and We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. WMKV, Reading, Ohio, Local 12 News at 6, coming up next. It's an hour-by-hour forecast from the Weather Authority. This is...